You are listening to Get More Done, a You Can Book Me podcast, and I'm your host, Ben Dukevich. All of us at the You Can Book Me team wanted to set up this podcast to explore productivity and talk to experts. On each episode, we will meet with entrepreneurs, CEOs, managers, coaches, consultants, and anyone else to have them share their insights into how they are leveraging automation, doing more with less, and helping their teams level up. We hope that through their stories, you can get more done. On today's episode, I caught up with Kevin Howard, the lead technical recruiter with TeleSign. Having spent nearly a decade in the recruiting field, Kevin shares what makes a good candidate experience and how technology has helped him hire more people. Kevin also explains how to stand out in a crowded marketplace and what recruiters are looking for. Enjoy. And welcome back to the Get More Done podcast, where we talk about all things productivity and crushing of goals. On today's episode, I'm sitting down with Kevin Howard. He is the lead technical recruiter with TeleSign. So Kevin, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Ben. I'm glad to be here. Hello, everyone. <laughs> yes, I'm excited to talk about all things recruiting with you and just geek out over over hiring and all the good stuff. Let's do it. Um, we, we typically start these conversations with an icebreaker question. So for you, this one, um, we're going to say, what commercial jingle gets stuck in your head all the time? Oh, that's a good question. Um, <laughs> probably the, the Liberty Insurance commercial, where it's like, um, Liberty, 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 and Doug. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's, I don't know why. It just There's something about the and Doug part that just gets me. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's probably yeah, the biggest that- one. That's an earworm. I don't know if you're like me, but I also get like random 80s and 90s TV show theme songs stuck in my head, like oh, yeah. the Doogie Howser theme song or, you know, like these old classics. I'm just like, what? get out of there. Let's get out of there. Yeah. I was talking to um, I was talking to a, a fellow a fellow recruiter of mine um, who actually used to work at TeleSign yesterday. And we were like singing old like 80s and 90s cartoon theme songs. So like Darkwing Duck and DuckTales yeah. and things like that. So absolutely. <laughs> DuckTales. Oh, woohoo. Yeah, that's a classic. <laughs> that is a classic. Awesome. So, so yeah, like I said, I'm, you know, I'm eager to dig into all things about recruiting. So I'm, I'm curious, you know, as a recruiter, what, what's something that takes up, takes up the most of your time? Probably emails, to be honest. Um, as recruiters, as you know, we get a ton of emails if it's um, anything from like platforms like yours where it's, hey, we have availability requests that's getting sent out. So we're checking that. We have um, myself being in a leadership position now. There's all types of meeting in- invites and notes I have to check and different conversations about like uh, hiring plans and things like that. And just kind of keeping up on the candidates. You know, <laughs> who did I talk to? You know, let me check in. Um, I'm huge on candidate experience. So a lot of my candidates, they're they're kind of like family to me now. So it's like, I know, hey, did, did John go to prom? How did it go? You know, <laughs> so kind of keeping up with so many different people on emails probably takes the most time. Everything else is just, yeah, just business as usual. Business yeah. as usual. And when you're, you know, working with these candidates and you're, do you have like a CRM or something you're using to keep track of all those notes? So, you know, like the, the particulars or you just got a mind like a steel trap and it just stays in it. 
the mind. Uh, <laughs> I was actually just talking to my dad before jumping on. And that's where we're talking about like brain exercises. Um, but yeah, I, I keep a lot of it on my mind. I do have, um, I do have like, I'm old school. So I still have like spreadsheets where I have, you know, everyone's information in there and little verbs of, okay, this is what we talked about. It's like a secret. So spoiler, <laughs> like little notes and tidbits of what we talked about whenever we had our initial phone screen. But when we also had just other conversations, a lot of my candidates have my personal cell phone numbers. So I can go back to my texts and see what we were texting about, um, things like that. So that's kind of how I keep organized to a little bit of a stint. Yeah, for sure. And and speak to me about like, you know, maybe some processes that you have set up that save you time. Cause you know, you said that a lot of your time's in email, but outside of that, are there any processes that you, you use to save time? Yeah. Um, I, I've started to, I started to learn how to, how to plan out my week <laughs> into like almost like a perfect, perfect aspect. So I always start my Mondays off strictly sourcing, unless I have something from Friday that I have to kind of reconnect on or resync on my Monday. I'm strictly sourcing, checking my emails first thing in the morning. I'm sourcing all day, Tuesday and Monday night. I'm usually looking who responded to all my messages. Okay. Let me get the resume in the in ATS and get everything scheduled for my phone screens. Tuesday, Wednesday, I'm doing my phone screens. Thursday, they're usually doing hiring manager screens. By Friday, they're typically the next round, a technical round, or they're in panel interview. And I'm preparing to make offers by the following Monday. So then it's emails, offers, sourcing again. So that's kind of my personal process. Outside of that, um, when I first joined Telesign, actually, I created an interview process because my interview was kind of long. <laughs> so, um, literally, my first my first week, I was able to implement interview process, um, implement a SLA. So now, globally, the hiring manager recruiter knows exactly what step each part each stage is in when it comes to you know opening up the rec to intake meetings all the way to offer and background checks. So with setting those processes at the very beginning, now it's just a well-oiled machine. Yeah, that that sounds really great, and it, it's cool that you you know were able to come in and and make some changes right away and make things a bit more more efficient. Now you mentioned you mentioned sourcing, and I'm you know I'm not a hundred percent familiar with the recruiting yeah. space. I'm learning more about it all the time. So tell me a little bit about what sourcing is, and for the people maybe listening that that don't know what that is, me especially. I love that. Um, I'm a sourcing guy. I'm a sourcing junkie. So um, so sourcing is basically reaching out to people who are passively looking or who may not be looking for roles at all and um, pretty much selling them on the company, selling them on the role and building that interest. That's what most recruiters do probably 90% of their day, usually, um, especially as, as a tech recruiter. It, we're with smaller companies, we're competing with the big guys. So the Googles, the Metas of the world, Amazon, um, Apple. So it's a challenge because we have to find the same the same level talent. <laughs> and we, we usually have constraints that the bigger guys don't have, like budget constraints and things like that. So sourcing is really just the way I do it, I, I should say, is really about relationship building and building... Um, building opportunity and letting people know that, hey, yeah, you can go to you can go to the big guys. You know, everyone wants to work for Google. Everyone wants to work for Disney. 
However, when you're here, you know, you're able to make more of an impact because we're smaller. So your name's attached to it, you know? So that's really what sourcing is. Um, usually LinkedIn, usually sites like Indeed or ZipRecruiter. There's a um, there's like a public side where you can post, you can actually apply for jobs, but then there's actually the recruiting side where you can look through the resumes and see who applied for roles. Um, you know, what skills, what qualifications do they have? How does it meet? So that's what sourcing is in a nutshell. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So you're just kind of going out and scanning for people that might be a good fit, reaching out to them to see if it's something they'd be interested in. And those are probably cold outreaches. So, I mean, how, how do those conversations usually go? Is it like, no, don't bother me. Leave me alone. Or is it more <laughs> like, tell me more. <laughs> so I, it starts with the subject line, just, just like an email. It just starts with the subject line. How are you, how are you approaching them? Um, what a lot of, and I talk to a lot of recruiters. So what a lot of recruiters do, they'll say, Hey, we have this role. And that's kind of their subject line. We have a software engineer. Um, but as a candidate who we've all been on the opposite side of that, you know, applying for roles, we'll get emails like that all the time. What I do is I start with a question, like, are you open to new full-time remote software engineer roles? And then as a, as a candidate or a potential candidates reading the subject line, they have to say it in their head. So they're like, are you open? Am I open to it? And that's that's where I get in. Because they're like, yeah. well, kind of. And then, and all I need is a kind of or, or that light bulb to go off like, well, maybe. And then I'm in. And then the body of the email, I'm like, hey, you know, I, I take my time. So I'm looking through their profile. I don't send like this a blanketed, um, you know, copy paste type of message. And I say, you know, you have you have experience in Python and AWS, and I think you'll be perfect for this role because of that. These are the exact tools we use, and that's already like boom. They're like, oh, awesome. Well, I could just kind of come in and hit the ground running, which a lot of people want, as well as that's what a lot of hiring managers want. They want someone who minimalist on training, and they could kind of come in, learn what they have to learn, and just boom, go for it. So um, that's how I do it. That's <laughs> that's my yeah. that's my tip when it comes to sourcing. No, that's a great tip to to be personalized and to lead with a question to uh, strike the interest of saying, well, you know, hey, let's take a closer look at that. That's really great. Yeah. And I assume too that a lot of maybe a majority of people might not be interested. And similar to a sales role, you got to stack up those losses and keep keep hunting and keep reaching out to people. Yeah. And and briefly, you touched on you know the the importance of that candidate experience. You know of people coming through. So tell me a little bit more about, about that and you know why that's so important. For me, it's important because I've been, again, I've been on the other side of the fence. So I've been a candidate where it's like, okay, I've interviewed, I've gotten to a certain point, and then I haven't heard anything for two months. And then you're like, well, what happened? You know, am I still in the running? Things like that. So early in my career, when I first started to fill that and got into HR, I was like, I never want someone else to feel that way. So I'm always on top of it. I make sure my candidates know if you get the job or not, I make sure that everyone has the best experience. So if it comes to, you know, letting, you know, hey, this is the process. I let everyone know in my initial phone screen before I ask them any questions, I let them know what the process is, typically how long it takes. And I, with, with creating the SLA, which I spoke on earlier, I let all my candidates know <laughs> this is where we're going. This is the speed and it's up to you. So I kind of passed the ball to them, like, you know, we can move as fast as you can move. Um, so with that being said, whenever, if a hiring manager says, yeah, your name, I let them know probably within 
15, 20 minutes of me finding out. So they're aware. And I say, hey, you know, it wasn't right at this time, but we also have 15, 15 roles opening up next month. So I think that will be great for this based off of the feedback of this manager. And that's all you really need for candidate experience for people who don't get the job is to be a person. Let, let them know. Don't send a generic email like, hey, you're rejected. Next. You know, we us as recruiters, we do get we do get busy and we do get to that point sometimes where we just want to do a mass a mass rejection email. But it's always good to do the personalized quick boom. Here you go. Because kind of what what my parents always say, you never burn a bridge. So you never know when you're going to need another candidate. And they're going to be like, hey, Kevin gave a great experience and I would love to work for the company he's at. And that's what it's all about. Um, I actually have an interview later on today with someone who didn't get a role back in June of 2020. And we have a new role and she was perfect for the role. She was she just was too junior. So this role is a little bit more junior. I called the hiring manager like, hey, what do you think about you remember this person? (laughs) And he's like, absolutely. Just get her on the phone. If she's still interested, let's just make an offer. So it's those type of situations where I'm able to talk to someone I haven't talked to in two years and say, hey, you remember when we had this, you know, had this interview and everything was going good. But, you know, we decided to go elsewhere. We're back. So, (laughs) um, So, yeah, that's. That's really how I keep the candidate experience up. I um, I started off as a coordinator, and that was the big piece of it as well that got me in a candidate experience. I um, used to have to bring people, bring candidates into the interview rooms and kind of break the ice and make sure that they were comfortable and not, you know, not like nervous and not jittery. So I would sit in the rooms with candidates and just kind of talk to them before an interview gets started, just so I can have them be at ease because interviewing is stressful. Um, especially for people that's not recruiters who don't do it every day. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, just breaking the ice with people, making sure they feel comfortable went before they're interviewing and making sure I'm following up with them all step of the way. That's what candidate experience is to me. And that's the importance of it. Yeah, that makes total sense. And, and, you know, not burning the bridge, like you mentioned, but also from like a brand standpoint of saying like, we didn't ghost you, you know, we're, we're an, uh, upholding the, you know, the culture that we're about and that's all, all are great. Oh, yeah. And the, the opening act too, of warm, warming folks up for the interview. I love that too. So what, what, what kind of tips do you have for folks going into interviews to kind of ease the nerves a little bit and, you know, have a, have a really outstanding interview? Yeah. Um, honestly, start off by always saying this is another human sitting across a desk from you. <laughs> so, so that's always the thing. You shouldn't ever be, you shouldn't never be nervous. I know that people are, looking for jobs. They may have been unemployed for a year, but, you know, don't, don't be nervous, be yourself, be prepared to speak on your, your qualifications. You've done the job in the past, you know, or you're currently doing the job if you're currently employed. So you know what you do. So you just be able to speak on what you do every single day. And, you know, end of the day, again, it's just another person across the table, (laughs) the same person you're talking to, you've most likely talked to the same type of person in your current or your previous company. So it's the same exact thing. You just don't work for this particular company. But yeah, the nerve, just don't be nervous. Be ready. Just be prepared to speak on your qualifications. And as recruiters on the recruiting side of things, we should also be able to coach and not necessarily tell candidates, you know, this is what they're going to ask, but let them know like, hey, for, for part of this, there might be a presentation. So 
you know, kind of let candidates know this is what to expect. And if, if candidates know what to expect and they don't think of the nerves part of it, they should be perfectly fine for interviews. And yeah, just I would say that's the, the biggest thing. Check And also check out the job description right before your interview. Make sure you have the job description. Make sure you have your notes from, you know, the recruiter screen of the recruiter explaining the role to you. So, you know, OK, this is what they're looking for and be prepared. That's that's the best thing. Preparation's key. Yeah, be prepared, and and it's another human on the other side. So it's like, yeah, not not get let, letting the nerves get the best of you. And you mentioned, you know, briefly about like a presentation. Now, since you're in the technical side of things, are there like technical assessments that folks need to do to like show that they know Python or show that they know some 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 language? Yeah, especially depending on the level. Um, I see with with higher level roles like um, lead positions, principal, and above. That you typically don't really get like coding assessments or anything like that because if you got to that level, they're like, there's a good chance you're not a code. <laughs> so, um, but for like you know junior junior I mean junior um, engineers or junior tech people or mid level, there are different tech um, tech assessments like Hacker Rank. I know has a lot of um, tests on there that you can take on your own. But usually in the interview, we do have specific roles that there are tests. And we send them out to candidates. We let candidates know, like, hey, again, like when we do our initial call, that's one of the steps in the interview process. We're going to send you this hacker rank test. The questions are going to be based around Python, you know, Docker, or whatever the tech stack is. So these are the questions. Um, and then the everything's automation now. So we get all the information. As soon as they fill it out, we get the what they answer, the percentages, the score. And then we make a decision based off of that. Another thing that happens is during a panel interview, they'll do what we're doing now and do kind of like a Zoom and do a screen share. And they'll say, hey, write me some code. Write me a line of code. And on the spot, they'll type up code. Because again, like I just said, they do it every day. So (laughs) so if you can code, then you can code. So you should be able to do it because you do it every single day. Um, So that's kind of how... I've always seen tech recruiting done is either a peer programming, which is like a shared screen type of resource. Um, when everyone was going to the office, we would have like a board like this and we would actually have to write it up and read it and make sure everything was the correct way. Um, so that's kind of how our technical assessments go. And for most of my career, that's how all the technical assessments have went. Yeah, I've heard some horror stories of some some pretty gnarly ones where like building complete apps and all that. Oh, but yeah. um, I guess it, it <laughs> yeah, it depends on the company, I guess. But yeah. um, so, uh, you know, how have you seen that the recruiting industry change over the last you know decade that you've been doing this? Oh, yeah, this is actually my 10th year of recruiting this year. <laughs> Crazy to think. It. Yeah, it's changed a lot. Automation has changed a whole lot. <laughs> I, I started out in banking and the banking industry is very legacy based. So with that being said, a lot of recruiters I've talked to have been a little bit nervous because they're like, you know, are we going to be automated out of a job? Which I don't think we ever will, because with even though a lot of people call it the people ops team or the people's people and culture team, um, we're HR, we're human. So, so we're always going to be the human part of the HR so uh, um, I don't think we'll ever be automated out of a job. But how it's changed to get directly to your question. We used to have to 
do like full full on Boolean searches where we have to type up, you know, this long string of of qualifications of requirements just to find the people with that talent. And now we have places like LinkedIn where it builds it up for you. All you have to do, who's open to work? Who's more likely to respond? What's their skills? What's their title? Everything's built up in five or six clicks versus having to type all these different brackets and copy that and save it into a spreadsheet. Um, that's that's saved a lot of time, which is I know what the podcast is about. So over time, that's changed and saved us a lot of time in recruiting. Um, so new recruiters, y'all got it great. So <laughs> I'll say that. Um, they don't know the the, the old ages yeah. of doing those long uh, al- algorithms and things. Oh, yeah. yeah, I remember that we we used to have to get paper applications where people used to actually walk in with paper applications that you had to actually take all that information and put it into the system manually. Um, yes. So that's has changed. And then there's tools like Canvas when it comes to like diversity hiring, where you can just find minorities, people from LGBTQ plus, just different just different platforms now that you can just reach out to everyone worldwide and find the talent, find, you know, certain places like salary.com or Glassdoor. There wasn't a Glassdoor. <laughs> it's like, you know, you can see how companies are now. You can see on regular link, like public LinkedIn, you can see what companies laying off a bunch of people. So for recruiters, we can go right there and say, hey, so unfortunate that that happened. However, you know, come over here. We're looking for wonderful people just like you. So just as time goes on, technology just advances and it hits our industry pretty like pretty significantly. And it just makes for a way better recruiting experience personally. But the big thing, honestly, is just the technology. Technology has really changed recruiting. And it's just getting, for me personally, as a tech guy and a tech recruiter, it's just getting better. It's just going nothing but up from here. Yeah, that's great to, great to hear that um, technology is helping you do your job instead of taking it away, which, like you said, you're the human part of the HR, so I don't think you're, you're in any jeopardy at all. But speak, uh, speak just about maybe this year, too, any trends that you're seeing um, kind of emerge, emerge nowadays? That's a good question. With trends, I, I want to preference it. I don't think it should be a trend, and it's not a trend, but like diversity, equity, and inclusion is really big for me. So what I've been seeing lately, and I've, I've actually talked to some other companies just about this as well, is a lot of what everyone's focusing on now is diversity and inclusion, which is really good. However, <laughs> I don't think it should be a trend. I think it should be something that's engraved into the culture of companies and to the culture of people overall. So that's one of the big trends that I don't think should be a trend. It should be a cultural change and shift. Now, off of that, <laughs> the, the biggest trend when it comes to diversity, when it comes to recruiting, is, again, technology. There are so many different platforms that's coming out um, or that's currently out that's really helping automate things and helping people stay, save time. So, like, you know, scheduling platforms um, where they can directly, uh, directly attach your personal calendar candidates can instantly put time on your calendar to schedule. So you don't have to do that extra, them extra steps. There's, there's so many tools. There's, again, there's the hacker ranks of the world where instead of all of our engineers stopping from what they have to do for their day-to-day job 
and having the right code and right, okay, these are where my test questions are going to be. There's a whole platform that already has that built in. All we have to do is click a button and send it. Um, so I think the trends are just going to be continue, continually looking at what's the new technology and working with these smaller startups, working with the big the big players in the, in, in the I guess, the tech space of recruiting and continually to integrate it into our system to make it more automated. Um, automation is where we're going in 2022. That's where we are now. And it's the only way to go, really, because we're we're busy. We as recruiters, we know what the unemployment number is throughout the nation. <laughs> we know what the unemployment numbers are for our, our prospective places in different countries and throughout the world. So we have to we have to automate because with us being a human part of human resources, we only have but so many hours in a day. So we have to manage our time effectively and automation is the key. It's the easiest way. So that's that's the biggest trend. I would say definitely diversity is a focal point in just about every company I've seen, especially on the tech side and um, just automation. We have to we have to find easier ways to take some of the <laughs> some of the I guess the grunt work out of our day. Exactly. Yeah. Leveraging the tools to do more. So then you can focus on just that, that relationship building and everything. And I love your, your comment about the diversity and inclusion that mm -hmm. it shouldn't just be a checkbox to say, Oh, well we did it. And we hired these people. It's like, pull that into the culture and make it a part. Cause getting everybody a seat at the table with differing yeah. uh, opinions and backgrounds and everything is all going to lift everybody up. So Absolutely. it's really, really awesome. What would make, you know, a good, a good technical hire? Like, what are you looking for? What qualities are you looking for, for a technical yeah, hire? Yeah, that's a great question. The, the recruiter answer is, you know, do they match the qualifications? You know, what have they built? But to be honest, it's the person. Who are you? How are you? You know, what's your communication style? Um, how have you worked with your team? We're, we're a, we're a smaller company. Uh, we're rapidly growing, but it's, it's like a family. And most companies are, even regardless of the size, they're, they're families. We're with each other virtually eight hours a day. When we all were in the office, that's 40 hours a week. That's a lot of time. Um, I've seen I've seen my candidates. I've seen <laughs> my, my coworkers a lot more than I've seen my own family. So, so how are you as a person? How do you like to work with others? Do you like to be siloed? Um, which is all fine if you do, but culturally may not really work too out too well because you have to be around people. And then outside of that, I'm really from a technical aspect. It's what's you know what's your qualifications, you know what are and what are you looking to do? What's your aspirations? Um, I personally, I personally don't necessarily think that everyone should just get a job, want to get into the job, and stay there. You know, you should you should want to say, OK, if I'm a software engineer, my goal is to be a senior software engineer or I want to be a lead. I, li I like that. That's what gets me going because I'm that way. I'm OK. I I'm thinking ahead always. So when candidates and tech hires are like, well, yeah, you know, I've done this. I built this. It, it sold this amount of money, brought in this much revenue. That's awesome. But I want to be this or I want to join your company because I think it's growth opportunities and I can get to here. That's what I look for in a tech in a technical hire. I think that's what makes really good employees overall because it shows grit, it shows determination, it shows that you're thinking ahead. 
And as companies and as like our CEO just walked past, like as a C-level executive, you're always thinking that too. How do we go? Where do we go from here? What's next? How do we be innovative? So when technical people are going to help build things that's going to help our C-level executives get to that point that they want to get to, it all makes sense and it all works out. So that's what I personally look for in a tech hire. Yeah, that, that makes total sense of making sure that it's a cultural fit, first mm-hmm. and foremost, that you're going to jive with everything going on in that ambition to do more and coming at it from, you know, this may be an entry level thing, but I see my future with your company. So it's like, I'm going to strive for more. That makes Absolutely. makes total sense. Yeah. Um, there, there, uh, there's a post circulating recently, I'm not sure if you saw it, about a recruiter kind of giving a lowball um, estimate for salary for a candidate because that's what the candidate asked oh, for. Yeah. So I'm curious, you know, how, how do you handle salary negotiations or how should recruiters be handling salary negotiations? Oh, that's a great question. That's a tricky one, Ben. <laughs> so I, don't, I don't want the recruiting world to hate me for this. I believe that everyone should be paid equally. Um, again, with the diversity, equity and inclusion side of things, there um for example, I'll, I'll, I'll be completely honest. I told you I'm going to be candid. So <laughs> being completely honest. I've seen women that I personally know start with the same title as a male counterpart and make significantly less. And that's something I don't believe in at all. So when I'm talking to a candidate and they ask for a salary range, right? As you know, what's your salary expectations? If we're budgeted for 150 and they're looking for, they're like, well, you know, 89, 90K. I'm like, my range is going to be my range is going to be 130 to 150. That's what I'm going to tell them. So we have a buffer room for the recruiting side of things, for the budgetary side on the hiring manager side of things. But we also at Telesign and my pre actually previous two companies ago, we only we we pay in, in certain certain bands. So certain ranges, we're not going to lowball anyone because end of the day, we can't really afford it in the US. <laughs> you can't. There's all these articles and posts about, you know, inflation right now and different things going up and no one really being able to afford housing and things like that. So it would be it just it just wouldn't be fair practice to this low ball, especially that low. Um, you shouldn't you shouldn't have to go, you know, 70, 80 K under budget for you know for a candidate. But a lot of companies do. Um, and it is because money is money's tight. But we have the budget and we have the range that we know we can find the talent. And our philosophy from all of our executives is if, if the person is talented, we'll find a place for them and we'll make sure that they feel fairly, like fairly paid and equal. And that's the equality part of DNI. <laughs> so, so, um, so, yeah, that's how I think. I, people do get lowballed a lot. It does happen a lot. Um, and a lot of people have been out of work and they, they just want to get back. They don't really care what they make, but that's not really fair. Um, so I don't personally believe in it, to be honest with you, on a personal level as a recruiter. I just that's just something I don't I'm like, nah, I'm gonna make sure you're make sure you feel good. Cause if you're paid well, then you're gonna be like, I'm gonna work here forever. And that's <laughs> that's my job. That's a good thumbs up for me, where I'm like, hey. You know, Susan's been here for five years and she's making more than what she's made. It's still under budget, but it's spot on, you know. 
Yeah, that ma- that makes total sense of of you know being upfront and as tramp- as transparent as possible. Yeah. And you know, with the marketplace being as competitive as it is, it's like sometimes you have to de- go the higher of the range just to secure the talent, like yeah. you were saying. And so that's all the culture, because to that point, again, we're like we're based in L.A. and I'm fighting with the Amazon. I have friends at Google, I have friends at Meta, I have friends at Amazon, and we're fighting with them all the time. Like, hey, how do we how do we get this talent from these big guys who has, you know, has the stock options that we don't have and things like that? So we have you have to make a fair offer because it's a candidate driven market. They can go wherever they want to go. So, so we have to, we have to find it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, now I'm curious, like how many, how many like open recs are you, are you like hiring for in a given time period? Is it just like mad that you got like 10 or 12 open or how, how does that work? Depends. It, honestly, it depends on the time of the year. <laughs> and it just depends on basically what's happening. Like tell us right now we're, we have, I think like my sales, like the sales recruiter, he's a pair of mine, the lead sales recruiter. He has like 70 openings right now or something like something ridiculous on the engineering side. So my, my side of the fence, we're right around like, we have like 37 openings, 36 openings um, for, for this year. And then I already have the hiring because now I'm a lead. So now I have the hiring plan for the next thing, three years. So we already have our roles planned out and, any given time, it just depends on depends on the time of year. Like around this summer, I'll personally have about probably around twelve recs at one time. Um, Mike, my my product recruiter, he'll probably have around probably around like fifteen, and then Danielle, the junior recruiter, she'll probably have right around the same, right around like ten, eight, eight, eight to ten recs, and all different levels from you know junior level all the way to like. Right now, I'm hiring a senior a senior security architect. <laughs> it's a super high level, um, director level, like all over the fence. But yeah, um, I've also, my previous role actually had, at one time I had, what, 60, it was ridiculous, like 63 recs open um, at, one, at one time. <laughs> so Jeez. yeah, I'm, I'm a fast worker. 2019, I hired... But you can only work so fast. Yeah, like 2019, <laughs> I hired like 218 people by myself. <laughs> so, so um, yeah, it's... I'm, I'm a workaholic sometimes, but now it's it's a lot, lot, lot more chill, for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can only imagine the, the workload and all the moving parts that you got to keep straight. Yeah. And, you know, with all of the different programs you're using, like you mentioned, like the ATS, the tracking systems and all that stuff... It's probably just a lot, a lot. It's a lot, but it's it's okay. Someone has to do it. Yeah, might as well be me. You know. (laughs) Okay. So, so you 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 touched on a bit when you're telling us about like sourcing that you're leveraging LinkedIn. So, you know, for candidates, um, what are some things that you know can help them get noticed if if they are maybe maybe not necessarily looking for work, but just positioning themselves for for like opportunities in the future? Wonderful question, Ben. Um, The big thing I've seen, especially on the public the public side of uh, LinkedIn. So, one when there's a public side of LinkedIn, then there's LinkedIn Recruiter. So on a public side of LinkedIn, which everyone uses, I would say to put what you do, like the, in just, just like a resume, you should treat LinkedIn as a resume, online resume. So um, what I've seen a lot lately from candidates is they'll have their LinkedIn and they'll have all of their titles and the years they work there. That's great. But we don't know as recruiters 
what you did there. <laughs> so it's like the titles are the same, but I've worked places where they didn't have software engineering. They had application analysts. They're the same thing, but unless you're, you were in that space, you would never know that. So you have to put, you know, responsible for whatever, you know, put the tech stack you were using. That's another big piece on the technical side of things, even for different roles like sales. You want to put in the body of your job title, I mean, your, um, yeah, your job title, you want to put your sales goals, you know, what were the numbers you hit? What was your KPIs? You know, what initiatives that you create? Those are the things that's going to help recruiters because we can look at your, we can look at your resume and I, f- I forgot the stat. It was like point like nine seconds or something like that, where that's how fast we look at resumes and know if we're going to move forward or not. So with LinkedIn, it's the same thing. We have to we have to see, you know, what what do you do? <laughs> and not just your title. So that's the first thing. Um, the second thing I would always suggest is this is another trick I'm going to share with everyone. Join LinkedIn groups. So there's groups on LinkedIn. If you're a software engineer, if you're a recruiter, there's groups of just other like-minded people who are from all different walks of life and they're sharing things in a software engineering group, like, like you said, new trends, you know, what they're working on, you know, coding questions, all different types of things. So if we, if we have candidates that's going to join those groups, we're also in the groups of recruiters. I'm in a bunch of software engineering groups and I'm, I'm an English major. So, 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 but I'm able to kind of come in, see what they're talking about and talk shop with them. And then when it's time to actually make an offer or, or make a request, like, Hey, we're also looking for people over here. We're using the same type of tech. And that's another way I kind of get in there with candidates. So I would say join LinkedIn groups, definitely put things in the body of your LinkedIn under your job title. Um, and if you are looking for roles, you can actually click a button in LinkedIn that will actually say open opportunities. And LinkedIn does a really good job at trying to hide that you are looking from your current employee and your current team. So that goes to, again, the other side of LinkedIn, to the LinkedIn recruiter side, where we could click a button and see that you're open to work and your company won't see. So for passive candidates, that's the best way of doing it. Yeah, that makes total sense of just adding the additional details and, you know, some metrics if possible and what you're doing, clarifying the role. Joining the groups is great advice too, just to be around like-minded people, just to share and grow and build your network that way. And a great, great opportunity for sourcers and recruiters to kind of sit on the sidelines and do double judge, jump in when it it makes sense. Absolutely. (laughs) Awesome. So um, what, what, do you, what do you want people to know about recruiters? Oh, we are typically, like I'll always say, we're the introverted extroverts. So, so we're usually a ball of energy, um, but we're also pretty introverted as well. It's the weirdest dynamic for most recruiters. Um, but honestly, it's a, it's a great field. We're really, I, I can speak for all recruiters. Why not? You know, we're really focused on helping, helping others. That's at the end of the day, that's what we're in it for. I personally always feel as cheesy as this may sound like, like a superhero in certain sorts. Um, Cause I'm like, I've, I've been unemployed. So I know when I'm talking to someone and they just get the joy just to hear my voice from the opportunity to get a role, there's no better feeling. And I think that's what that's what is the biggest gem and what makes the recruiters feel the best is that 
Um, for the recruiters that have a harder time just trying to, you know, trying to keep up with all the candidates, you know, for the can on, on the candidate side, know that we are talking to a lot of people and we don't mean it because <laughs> a lot of recruiters will say, ah, I forgot to reach out to whomever today. But, you know, we're here for you and we're here to help you get a job and help you succeed. So, you know, if you're looking, we're looking for you as well. You just have to know where to look. <laughs> that's my advice. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Great advice. So what what's next for you other than filling a hundred and some odd uh, roles? Yeah. Um, well, uh, definitely that. <laughs> so, so definitely starting there. Um, but for me, honestly, it's just continue to grow. This is my 10th year in it. Um, November, November 1st actually will be my first, my 10 year mark in recruiting. So now I'm to the point doing things like this, meeting you, Ben, um, being able to jump on the podcast, share my experience. Um, that's, that's where I am. I'm, um, I'm okay. I'm set. I'm, I love life. So I'm really big on just helping others. I have a junior recruiter now helping her develop into a super strong technical recruiter, uh, we have a, a, a mid-level recruiter who he's going to be a senior recruiter soon and just kind of helping them and giving them the gems I got and doing more doing more of this. This is what my day consists of, meetings and, and try to just give knowledge because when I was 10 years ago, so way back, <laughs> I didn't really have that. I didn't have, there weren't, there weren't too many. I don't think there were any recruiting podcasts that I can talk on or hear or listen and say, Oh, this is the industry professional I can take gems from. We would have to wait until mm-hmm. an annual conference like Sharm or something. Um, so this is what's next for me, just continuing to pass on my information that I have and as well as network. That's what we do as recruiters. We network. So talk to other recruiters, talk to other technical recruiters, lead recruiters, managers, and just see what's out there, see what's happening, and be able to pass it back to my team and to my manager. And help us to continue to grow as you know as a world. Yeah, that sounds really awesome. That mentorship that you're doing and just growing your network really, really great to hear. So, where can folks go to learn a little bit more about everything that you and the team at Telesign are working on? Yeah, so definitely go to telesign.com. Um, it's t l e s i g n dot com. Um, we're a global cross industry platform when it comes to digital identity fraud and risk. So. We're doing really well. We've doubled in size in, since COVID. So, so we're continuing to grow. Um, we just made an announcement that we're going to be going public. So that's exciting news. Um, but yeah, for me, you can check me out on LinkedIn. It's linkedin.com. I'm pretty sure it's backslash IN slash Kevin Howard 412. I'm from Pittsburgh. So that's Pittsburgh's area code. Um, and yeah, you can... Hit me up anytime. I'm always on LinkedIn. So I would love any connections and we can just chat about anything, even if it's not job related. Open book for you guys. Yeah, real great. We'll be sure to put that all up on the blog post that will get get published for this. So Kevin, thank you so much for the candid look at the life of recruiting and, and everything and for sharing your expertise for with our audience. Uh, we appreciate you being on Get More Done. Enjoy the rest of your day. Have an awesome week. Good luck, um, you know, with going public and all that good stuff coming coming your way with Telesign. And uh, hope you have a good one. Thanks, Ben. Thanks, everybody. <laughs> all right. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Get More Done. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite platform to get updates of future episodes. 
Want to be a guest? Reach out to community at youcanbook.me or visit getmoredone.youcanbook.me. If you or your team want to automate your scheduling, sign up for a free two-week trial at youcanbook.me. What will you do with all the time that you save?